Welcome back to Animation Fascination. I'm Mark Weber, and with me again is Sanford Clark. Hey! This podcast focuses on the world of animation. In each episode, we feature all the latest news from around the animation industry and the main topic discussing a TV series, film, or something else. Whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion, if it's animated, it's up for discussion to geek out about. Uh, so this episode is episode 111, or as uh, Bill Blobaggin said, 111, like really, you gotta really, you gotta really slur the yes. 111. Uh, but this is a special episode, so it's gonna be a, as a first uh, interview episode that we've done in a while since we've come back. Um, so it's Caroline Foley, she's gonna be joining us here in a moment. She's an animator, writer, director, producer, multi hyphenate, does, does yeah, all, she's all the things, so much stuff. Yeah, so uh, we talk to her. Yeah, so with that, we'll bring her on now. And all right, so today we have joining us Caroline Foley. Hello. Hey. Welcome to Animation Fascination. Thank you. Great to How be are here. you today? I'm good. Thank you. Good to hear. Uh, so in today, you're kind of like a multi hyphenate. Uh, yeah, you're, you're an animator, story artist producer, writer. Uh, so I figured you'd have you on the show to kind of talk to you about your career. And I, what's kind of, what I thought really was really cool too, is that you've kind of had your hand like in all, like almost every single different like medium or of animation that there is. Oh, that's amazing, Caroline. Yeah. You know, just the number of projects. And as Mark was saying, yeah, just all these different, um, yeah, fields and genres. And Sarah, this is going to be so fun to, Learn more about your work. Yeah. So to kind of to start off, I, I guess kind of before getting into like your your pro profession, what was kind what's what's kind of like your origin story as far as it goes to like your love of like animation? So I I mean animation was always around growing up, you know. I'm a kid of the 80s, TV was always on, and uh things like Sesame Street and Huey's Playhouse were huge in in my home growing up. Um, they're still holding a very special place in my heart. I'm I'm still a huge fan of both uh, Sesame Street and Huey. Uh, very sad to to oh, hear of his oh, passing. Oh yeah, that yeah, game. very yeah. devastating. Really um, yeah. So uh, so the the cool thing about those. Um, Sesame Street and Peewee's Playhouse is that there's so many different styles happening with these little short clips. Um, so that's kind of like one aspect. And the other one is the uh, kind of like the storytelling aspect. So with like, you know, the Disney films. And uh, so growing up, we had the Disney Channel. We lived in an area in San Diego, which got like a free we we're like a, a test market. So we all, the whole neighborhood got it for like for free. Uh, so we had all kinds of like yeah. cool, they're they trying out everything on, on the, the channel. So, you know, it wasn't just Disney films. It was stuff like one of my favorites was um, it's called Unico and uh, it's an Osamu Tezuka film. It's a, a an old manga of his um, and it was translated into a, uh, two movies, actually three movies. Um, anyway, it was huge for me. It's about this little unicorn. Um, 
So, so those animated films uh, were, you know, fascinating. And I love the storytelling aspect of it. And when I was in high school, uh, The Lion King came out and on the Disney Channel, there was like this little behind the scenes featurette and it showed a bunch of the animators and character designers and like the whole process of how movies were made, which was really cool. Uh, and then at the very end, they they get to this one animator who's a woman, uh, and she's the animator for Zazu. Her name is uh, Ellen Woodbury. Um, and up until that point, you know, it was all men, and all of a sudden it's a woman, and it's it's like I could see myself in that role and all these cool things that I had been growing up with. Suddenly it's like, oh, maybe I can do that. You know, I'm. A uh, very artistically inclined individual, very creative. Um, so it's like it. That was, I feel like, the spark for me that got me interested into like, oh, maybe I could, you know, do this for money <laughs> as a career. Nice. I guess segueing from that, from like your love of animation, what were kind of like your first steps to into like pursuing like the animation industry, like career and whatnot. Yeah, so I was lucky enough in high school, uh, we had a very early stages startup animation class. It was very simple, you know, uh, pencil and paper and the old lunchbox system, which is like this, if you're familiar, it's just this big box with buttons on it. And you can record with a camera just one frame at a time and then play it back and then you can uh you know, hit record and play, uh, put the whole thing on a videotape and take it home and watch it. Uh, so, you know, very, very old school, but that was, you know, my first real actual entryway into animation. I mean, when I was really little, I tried to animate with like, you know, when you, you take a series of photos and, uh, you can kind of make a little flip book with it. At least the, the photo processing place in my town would put, it was actually like a little booklet and you could flip through it. So I would take a, you know, a throwaway camera and photograph a, a little, you know, my toys or whatever. And uh, it, it worked horribly, but uh, those were my early stages of experimenting with animation. Um, but after I graduated high school, so I, I had like one or two semesters of animation and, uh, I graduated um, and I went to a community college and there was no animation courses there. Uh, so, but I was taking like, you know, graphic design and ceramics and photography and, you know, just anything art related. Creative, I, yeah. Yeah. Um, but there was always something missing, which was that storytelling aspect. And I just love the ability to, uh, create characters and watch them move, um, you know, bringing a character to life uh, is very fulfilling and exciting for me. So um, while I was at community college, I was like, well, I want to go to an animation school. Uh, so at the time, CalArts was the, you know, the number one place to go, uh, still might be the number one place to go. Uh, but I applied and I was really lucky and I got in and uh, graduated just in time for the financial crisis and 08 uh, of 09 and the big w WGA strike that was happening back then. So uh, it was it was a struggle. Um, 
So at the time I was working for this company called Ringtails, translating New Yorker comics into short animations. And, you know, it was a great little freelance gig, but they, you know, couldn't afford to pay me anymore. Uh, so I went on food stamps. I lived in Skid Row for a while and, um, I had my re-entry into the industry in, uh, stop motion, which was my second love while I was at CalArts. Uh, so a friend was working at Shadow Machine on the Robot Chicken show and he was like, there's an internship, come on and apply. And, uh, I did, I did this, uh, pose test. And so it was like basically a robot chicken puppet and then they have a stage set up and then they have a list of expressions, you know, that they want you to pose with the puppet, take a photo. Um, so I did that. It was great. Uh, but they're like, oh, we have this other intern who tested and we feel like we need to give him this job, but we want you to stick around. So they put me in um, the set department. Uh, so I worked on, you know, building sets and props and, uh, I even did like some graphics and stuff for Robot Chicken. Uh, and then, you know, from there, everything just, uh, snowballed. <laughs> nice. Yeah. We must've graduated around the same time because, or must be around the same age. Cause I, I also graduated around 2009. I was like, and I also, I was like, oh, oh, nothing. Yep. That was last <laughs> time. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, yeah, not not a great time to be graduating, get thrown yeah. out into the world. But you know, I got baptized by fire, I guess is the expression, and uh, uh, I, I I'm probably a stronger person for it. So yeah, that's a good way to look at. It. Yeah, that's a good way to look <laughs> at it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no uh, regrets. After Robot Chicken, then what? Uh, what was your next gig or your, you know, your, your next work? And, and cause it, it wasn't just, as I recall, I mean, looking at, you know, your IMDB page, uh, there's lots of stuff after robot chicken, right? I mean, and, yes. uh, and that wasn't, and that wasn't stop motion uh, related, right? Yeah. So at shadow machine, uh, there was a lot going on. They were like the only studio in town basically doing all of those uh, stop motion shows for Adult Swim back okay. back during that time. So so the first show I actually was on with Shadow Machine was a show called Frankenhole. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers it, but <laughs> I think it got two, season, two seasons. Uh, but so there was like Frankenhole and Robot Chicken and the Robot Chicken Star Wars special which was really cool because we got to go to Skywalker Ranch for the premiere. Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there was a bunch of commercials in between. And then uh, we made this movie called Helen Back, uh, which was a real wild uh, production to be a part of. Um, but they they finished it years, years after I left um, and released it. I think they put it out on Netflix or something. Um, but it's a thing you can see. And <laughs> uh, it looks really good. Uh, it, it really turned out uh, pretty great, actually. Um, but uh, so uh, right, right around the time of the Helen back happening, um, 
there was some expansion happening with Shadow Machine and they were thinking about getting into the 2D animation space. So while I was working on Helen back, the, the owners of the studio, Corey and Alex, were asking me for advice about how to uh, expand, you know, what, what they would need in order to become a 2D studio. And I was like, well, you know, it's a lot different. You don't need stages and cameras and lights. You need yeah. you know, computers and seats and desks. And it's a totally different setup. Uh, so, so there was a transition time at that studio where they still had their set shop and the props and the animation was happening. And then they had like this big tree house kind of in the middle of the studio uh, that went up um, uh, two stories inside and they had like little offices in there and desks set up and they had like little small 2D animation productions happening in there um, while stop motion was happening simultaneously on other productions. It was very interesting. Um, but uh, that's, that's where the whole, uh, you know, Bojack started coming in and, um, so they got this pilot uh, and it, with the Tornante company, Bojack, and it didn't have a home yet. So I was an, an animator on the pilot. Um, so I was at Shadow Machine for like a good five years uh, on a lot of varied productions. Um, and then after, after Bojack, um, that's when I started to go to other studios. And it was Rick and Morty after that and, you know, bouncing around. Um, but, but yeah, uh, I, on, uh, at Shadow Machine, I worked on, um, 2D, it was Bojack and, um, what was that show? It was an MTV, oh, the, the greatest party story ever. I think it was, yes. and then Tank, that, yeah, that was the other one. So they had these like, you know, wacky short format kind of things popping around. And then, and then Bojack was just kind of like this totally different thing out of, out of left field, you know, uh, but a very, very cool thing. And I think it really um, uh, changed the atmosphere of, of that studio in a big way. Oh, absolutely. With Bojack, how did you, uh, so you said you were an animator on it. What kind of tools were you using? Were you assigned to a character or I mean, how, 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 did, how did that work in the production of that show? Yeah. So um, usually there, when you're a, uh, you know, you you will get scenes, right? So um, for the pilots, we were we were given there was like I think three or four animators in in house doing it. It was all it was all stateside. We didn't send anything out for the pilot. It was all in house. Uh, we were animating in Flash, uh, which was really tricky with these like textures that were with the uh, characters. They all they all have like this texture on them. <clears throat> excuse me um but we were given like kind of chunks so i was in charge of animating uh bojack and the charlie rose stuff uh and uh the whale reporter in that very first episode and uh the pilot it was actually um split up into two when it when it was sold to netflix they decided to to kind of like cut it in half and they took one storyline and expanded it into its own episode and the second storyline and expanded it into a second episode. So the pilot is no longer in, you know, it doesn't exist anymore in its norm natural form. You know, it's been broken up for, um, for Netflix. Um, 
but yeah, we were, we were given like, you know, sections. So, so I worked on the, the Charlie Rose newsroom stuff and then um, a lot of the, uh, the Bojack being sad in the bar uh, and then yelling at the girl and uh, that kind of stuff. And uh, my friend, Michael Ruwako, he was working on a lot of the, um, uh, the horsing around stuff uh, for the old TV show. And nice. um and then, you know, it's kind of like piecemeal after that. It's like, oh, we need, we got to get this one done and this one done, you know? So um, it's very structured until the very end. And it's like, just all hands on deck. <laughs> <laughs> try, to get, try to get the episode done, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then when you were on Bojack, then you, you came, became, eventually became like a story artist for that too as well, right? Yeah. So I came back for season two as a story artist. So I was uh, mostly working on the, the first episode of season two and um, the, uh, gosh, I cannot remember the these episodes, but the chicken, the chicken episode eating, you know, is why do we eat these chickens and not these other chickens kind of thing. Um, and uh, the, the cops that I think that's, the, I think those are the same episode. Yeah. Um, the uh, I can't even remember. It, it's been, I've, I've, there's been so much happening since then. But yes, I was a storyboard artist on season two. <laughs> now we understand too, Caroline, that uh, you, um, you know, of course, we're the only stateside person working on Rick and Morty. Tell us about how that worked. If you don't, you know, why that sounds so interesting. And I think. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of Rick and Morty fans, uh, you know. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, right after I finished the BoJack pilot, a friend reached out to me uh, and they were over at Starburns. And they're like, hey, there's this new show uh, that Starburns is working on and they need a, a 2D animator to come over and do some commercials for them for Adult Swim. But also they need someone to to help out with the animation for the show. So the whole show was being sent to this company called Bardell, who is like a very premier digital puppet um, animation studio. They do really great work. Uh, but oftentimes, you know, like there's changes that need to happen on the show and, you know, things just need to be a little finessed, you know, something, and, and there's no time to, you know, send it through that, overseas pipeline it's just yeah. better to have the director in-house and talk to you one-on-one -on -one and be like we need this um so so that's what i was doing uh and and uh making new scenes for 11th hour writing changes you know uh i remember on that um pilot dan harman was rewriting stuff you know until kind of the last minute. So there was new shots that I would have to animate and, you know, real quick before the deadline. And, um, and then there was, uh, you know, in the season two, we got a lot more, uh, um, we had some, some cool stuff coming in on the pipeline, like the, uh, the moon man, goodbye moon man sequence, um, which was really uh, a cool thing to animate. So I saw the animatic, and I saw that sequence in the animatic and I was like, oh, how are they going to send this overseas? This is not like you can't make a digital puppet for this. This is this is all like hand drawn 2D 
I was like, I don't think Bardell has anybody that's going to do this over there. Is this going to be me? Like, I hope so. Uh, and, 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 you know, we're, we're getting all of the animation back from this episode and that part in the show is still in animatic form. And I'm like, this, this piece is still missing. And then I don't know why they waited for so long, but it was like, uh, we don't have this sequence done or any plan for it besides, you know, what's in the animatic. Do you feel comfortable animating it? And I was like, yes, please. Cause they, they didn't, you know, they didn't know that, you know, I had done like crazy wild morphing stuff before, you know, they were used to me animating these puppets for them. So uh, it was a real treat for me to, to sit down and I just relished every moment of that sequence, uh, you know, from the rough animation up to, you know, the line art and the coloring. And, um, you know, I don't usually do that kind of stuff um, for shows like doing the line art and the, and the color that's usually, you know, part of the digital puppet process. So yeah. it, was all, um, it was all, it was all me. It was all cool. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So that, that was one of the things I thought was really cool too, from like I saw from your reel on your site was with uh, like in particular, like the Rick and Morty does a lot of like for, for like Cartoon Network adult swim type stuff, but like those like interstitials of like the, they almost feel like just kind of like um, an excuse to kind of like experiment like with animation in them, which I just think is a, a cool way for them to kind of like do shorts just in different styles. Um, and saw that you had done like some like some of the like the like some of the more like trippy ones where it's like just like like morphing and kind of moving around into each other. Like with that kind of animation, it how. How much more difficult or maybe easier is that to do that than just like i guess like a traditional scene of like someone like walking from this side of the screen to the the other side of the screen oh i think that's okay it's difficult to quantify um because it's like so i much prefer doing like the wild uh animated like morphing stuff um it's it's so much more interesting it, it, just having you know, going frame by frame, being able to to really let this organic form flow uh, is, I don't know, it's, it's just kind of like therapeutic in a way. Um, it's it, it really scratches that itch in the creative side of my brain. Like just having characters walk, you know, you, you can really have a lot of fun with a walk cycle. But when you're on a show, you've got to have the character walk in the way that they're supposed to. You can't really play around with right. that walk very much you know um it calls for something specific so in in uh sequences where there's morphing you know you do have to do something kind of specific but the everything in between is all you as an artist um getting to kind of like let yourself go uh so it's kind of really freeing in a way to do that stuff uh, a lot more freeing than it is to to do like a uh, a walk cycle um but it is you know when you're when you're going in and you're cleaning up your own scratchy line work you know you're making you're putting a fine line on it and then you're adding the colors like well then that's that's the hard part because when you're animating like a digital puppet walking across screen you've got the lines you've got the color you've got everything you need so it is 
a lot faster just to, you know, have a character walk. But I think it's a lot more satisfying to do um, something like the the goodbye Moon Men sequence. To keep uh, the creativity theme going now, uh, you also are the founder of your own comic company, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, a uh, little production studio is what I call it. Uh, I, I do work on my own comics, but I, I am looking forward, uh, looking for, uh, looking into expanding uh, into uh, doing more comics. And tell us about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. So it's called Tiny Lion, and it just kind of grew out of a need in, in 2020 during the pandemic. Uh, live action was shut down and uh, animation was holding everything up in the industry. And I had a lot of people from live action reaching out to me, asking me to either help them uh, with like development of their live action, like how can we make this animated? Or they're like, hey, we have this animated script, pilot script, can you help us make it, you know, and, or, you know, just like wanting some consulting. And I was like, I, I need to just make a company for this. So that's kind of where it started. Um, and I got it started kind of just in time uh, for, uh, I did a little proof of concept pilot uh, for Apple through my little company. It's all, I can't really talk about it. It's all like a really big NDA. Sure, um, I was say, yeah. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen now with all, you know, all the strikes. Um, uh, but it was like, everything kind of like really fell into place. Uh, and now I kind of want to move, move out and like really show my own style. Uh, for the animation community um, and offer offer my services and and put out my own uh, work because you know when you're developing a show for networks uh, you know you're kind of you're tied to the notes that the executives have and right. you're trying to you know it's a business so they have to deliver something that's going to sell on their network and you as an artist are you know having to take all your big ideas and kind of box them up into, you know, kind of boil them down to whatever kind of works for uh, the studio, right. For, for the streamer, whoever you're making this for. Um, so it was also a way for me to like uh, do my own development work and, and have a little more control over the storytelling aspect um, so right now we're just really small. I have some very small projects in production and um, looking to expand into more comics. I have a little comic series called Tim Town. I'm working on the third volume now and I'm working on a, a short animation for uh, the first excerpt of the, the Tim Town series. Um, so I'm just I'm just jumping in. And uh, <laughs> it's it's the time. It was it's like the perfect time to to do your own thing in the animation industry and see what bubbles to the top when money starts flowing again. And I feel like I'm really lucky to be in a place to be able to to do that. Um, so so yeah, that's kind of we're called Tiny Lion, Tiny Lion Animation. Um, we are small but mighty. <laughs> yes, it's a great name. You know, yeah, thank I you. like the, the logo for it too. It's cool. 
Yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, and kind of uh, like within that same vein, like with like with like developing and producing like pilots, like for like the different like streaming networks like Apple or Amazon, or then like ones on. I don't know. Is Cart what is Cartoon Network cable? I don't. Everything's weird now. I don't know what's yeah. Cable, what's Cartoon Cartoon Network is kind of uh, rest in peace now. They're, uh, yeah. They've been a part of uh, Warner Media for a while, and yeah. and so I think it was just uh, inevitable. There, everybody in that building is moving over to Warner Brothers. So, I mean, I think Cartoon Network as a network still exists, but. Yeah, no. or or at least as a tile on on Max. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the home for um, HBO. Um, so like with doing stuff like that, with like developing like with uh, Toasty Tales that you've worked on as well, like integrating kind of integrating your your style from like and showcasing um, like with the two D and like stop motion animation stuff. Like how how did that come about, and what was kind of your process with with that? series with Toasty Tales. Yeah, so so Toasty Tales was happening uh, back back in like 2013, I think my, my friend Tom Borowski uh, and myself were both working at Shadow Machine on uh, the movie Hell and Back and all the other Shadow Machine productions. And we were like, man, we can do this, you know, like we can make our own show. What's what's stopping us? Right. We have all this talent. Tom is this really incredible art director and background artist. And he was doing all of the, the paint for, for the movie. Um, he has a really great sense of color. And I was like, with our powers combined, we can be in like this amazing unstoppable team. Yes. So, so we were like, we're sharing an office. And, and so in our off hours, we would just stay late at the studio and work on this concept. We're like, all right, what are our favorite things? You know, uh, we love being outside. We love camping. Uh, we love marshmallows. Uh, it just makes sense. Marshmallows, like s'mores around a campfire. So we're like, these things work together. Let's make a show. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So we just, yeah, we just stayed late and we had this big whiteboard and we, we would doodle on it. And we were like, this works, this doesn't work. Um, and so I think at one point we had four characters. One of them, one of the was like a little burnt marshmallow. Uh, and it, it was funny, but it didn't feel right because we realized there's like three types of marshmallows, which is like the big puffy ones, the standard ones, and then the little itty bitty guys. We're like, well, let's just have one of each of these and then kind of create personalities uh, around them. So, so the big one is the lovable softy. The, the regular one is kind of like the leader, the one that starts it all. And then the little one is, you know, he's kind of this little out of control guy. Uh, you never know what he's going to do next. Pants is his name. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so, so yeah, it was, it was us developing it. And at that point, you know, we had been working in the industry for, uh, you know, probably about five years. And we had some contacts. We were working at a studio. Uh, they, I don't think Shadow Machine really knew what to do with Toasty Tales when we showed it to them. Because they're, you know, they do adult swim shows. So they're like, this is cool, but we're, we're, we don't know. <laughs> they're like, good job, guys. Keep going. <laughs> so so we, what was that? Keep up the good work, right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, they shared some of their own contacts too. You know, we uh, 
uh, we went all around town with Toasty Tales. Everybody really loved it. And they were excited because uh, we had uh, um, experience in both stop motion and uh, in 2D animation. And, and you really kind of have to have an understanding of both in, in order to put them together because you, you know, you're not just dealing with drawings, you're dealing with actual physical space. So, so the, the real trick of it all is, you know, in the storyboarding phase, uh, you have these like rough storyboards and then those kind of dictate uh, what the set needs to look like. Uh, and then, you know, you've got the uh, director of photography in there kind of making sure everything's being made to scale. Every, once everything looks right and is painted, then you can take the photograph of the of the set and then you bring that back into the storyboard. So so the storyboard phase was really long and and, uh, you know, kind of was the real heart it, it, of the production. You know, it, it always is in a way. But in, in this sense, it, it really is um because it's you know it's marrying these two worlds and then you send those uh you know those um plates of the black backgrounds overseas with uh you know the storyboards and everything that um so you, you uh you take the plates and you you do the um what's it called the the final storyboards on top so you have like a real like like this is your background. This is what you use. This is how the character moves through that background. So, you know, it's kind of treating them as a, a flat background in, in that way once they're they're made. But the nice thing about sets is that you can move the camera through it and like, uh, you know, change just a little bit here and there, and you know, take a photograph, and all of a sudden it can be, you know, kind of like a new a new location almost. And you know, you can get so many angles out of out of one set. Uh, the only problem is storage, right? So <laughs> where do you put it? And it's got to be so big because you have to be able to get all these angles. Um, so this one big set for of the main camp for these like little marshmallows who uh, exist in 2D space, you know, uh, it's it, it was a it's a big thing to to store and build. So. <laughs> nice. uh, but yeah, it, it was it was a real fun um fun thing to to work on and uh developing it with my friend tom uh it was a real uh you know team effort of bringing those marshmallows to life nice i'm i'm, I'm glad that like stop motion has kind of have like a resurgence lately too um and more projects being done in the stop motion just because i i think that's like one of the like i like all forms of management i i like the that one I think is like one of my, my more favorite just because of, I don't know if I can like, I guess like quantify like why exactly I like it so much. But it's, I like, just, it's tactile, yeah. you know, yeah. like that's the stop motion backgrounds and then 2D characters is like the combination of my, my two favorite things. Like there's something really cool to, to walk through a bunch of animation stages with, with sets you know, yeah. miniature sets ready to go. Like, that's just magical. Uh, you know, you don't get that feeling quite as much, you know, with a bunch of people sitting in their cubicles, you know, drawing away. Like, it's still cool, but there's something yeah. extra cool about being able to walk through and, like, just imagining yourself as a character in that miniature environment. Uh, just, I just love miniatures. I'm a huge fan, so I, I just get super excited. <laughs> about it all and then I, I love 2d characters because they're 
they're limitless with their expressions, you know, like you can do a lot to a puppet. Um, but I mean, you can do everything to a 2d character. So it's, right. yeah. Nice. What's your take on the state of the industry today? Given that too, you know, there's like Guillermo del Toro's uh, Pinocchio, I think was a big hit. So that, you know, you, I'm hoping that yep. brings back more stop motion animation into the market. Uh, so much stuff going on with streaming and all the different things. What's, you know, I know it's a big question, but what is your take on the, on, on the state of the animation industry today? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not great right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Most, most productions have been um, shut down and uh, or put on pause Uh so there's a lot of businesses like large conglomerates making purchases of studios and whatnot. And, you know, whenever that happens, things die, things get put yeah. on hold, you know? Yeah. So I was definitely affected by that. Um, I would say about 80% of the animation industry has been infect affected by this stuff. So long before the strikes were happening, animation was struggling uh, with, uh, employment um so it's it's been uh rough to say the least yeah um but at the same time we're seeing a, a lot of small studios uh starting to pop up you know tiny lion being one tiny of them lion, yes yeah Roar. <laughs> <laughs> you know uh which is i think it's very exciting you know a lot of scrappy people are like you know what i'm gonna you know, be involved in my own way. I'm going to, you know, you know, either put my style out or try to make my own thing, you know, uh, whether they want to be a studio that makes commercials or they want to, you know, try to make a, a little TikTok series, you know, there's, there's so many avenues that are open to independent artists right now and creators. Um, so even though it's like the state of the industry is not great, for animation at the moment, like it's hard to get a job. Um, I think there's like, that just means it's a really great time to create your own thing, you know? Cause like none of these large studios are, you know, investing in original content. They're all relying on, okay. you know, IP over and over and over. And so where are we gonna be in, in 10 years? Like, is that IP still gonna be holding them up but I, I don't think it is. I think in the, you know, it's going to be uh, one of these independent creators. Uh, we might see uh, a TikTok series uh, becoming the next big thing. And I think um, the way that we consume media is probably going to change, you know, uh, yeah. just with, you know, there's so many streaming services and nobody can afford all of them it's like it's the cable problem yeah, all over yeah. again so exactly yeah i i don't know exactly where it's going but i do feel right now um i think uh independent is um rising a lot they're, they're coming to the surface what kind of stuff are you doing or have you found that's happening with uh AI, you know, like that's such a big mm -hmm. topic, you know, I think generally, uh, how does it specifically apply with, you know, with your work? So it, uh, it doesn't really apply with my work. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I, I think what's happening right now with what these studios want to do with AI is really horrible. I think it's, it's really damaging. Yeah. Not not only the creative community, but the, I think they're shooting themselves in the foot with, you know, trying to have AI lead in creativity. Uh, you know, it, they're just going to regurgitate the same thing over and over. Like, it's it's the same thing as IP. You know, it's okay. it's like you're not going to get anything new. You're you're going to get something that looks a little different, and that's as as best as it's going to get. And people don't tune in to TV you know, to watch something that a computer came up with, like an algorithm, you know, decided, like, we're smart, like, we have intelligence, and we don't want to be, you know, fed the, the same thing over and over. Like, I really do think that, like, people want something new, and they, they want to have that human connection, you know, yeah. and I, I I just don't think we're going to get it from from AI and they should be investing in in creators, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we can get away from AI, you know, it's been part of uh technology for a while now in different ways. Um so, but but I think giving it um you know, uh, a cre a creative role is wrong. Uh, and there needs to be rules about it. So I, yeah. I really think that's why this uh, the strikes are so important. Yeah, uh, we need to have language written about how AI is used and um, make sure that everybody's compensated fairly, you know, especially these actors who are, you know, getting scanned and then their likeness being used. Like that's that's too far. Yeah, too that's far. so messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Like with with that in general like i like even like from like i do like some like film and tv production work but then like a day-to-day -day job they've also been trying to really push like using ai and like chat gpt with that and like what you're saying to it, it it can be used as a tool but it shouldn't be used as like the master of ceremonies it should like it yeah should be like running the show and it seems like that's what like yeah. most of at least that most of like the head of these different companies are wanting it to be is like it's in charge rather than it's not just like a like a paintbrush or a pencil that you're using to, to help you get across whatever you're you're trying to create yourself so yeah yeah like you said like it's not gonna go anywhere but if it if it's used properly and not you know not skynet then yeah not then not exploiting people yeah, yeah exactly yeah. well said yeah 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 definitely um uh, and kind of going off of that too with so you've done um some more like recent projects that have been for uh like youtube series like with like uh talk of life stories and flippy wonders how have those kind of been different with um doing projects like that for uh, like YouTube as opposed to um, like, say like Apple or Amazon or uh, whichever else studios. Yeah. So it's still very similar, you know, um, people are like, Oh, you can do anything on YouTube because there's like no FCC or whatever, but there, there still is. And now that we have, you know, there, there are rules now on YouTube 
Um, there, there always have been. So in that sense, it's like, it's still, you're still working in a, in a pipeline that has awareness and you can't just do whatever you want, you know? Um, but, but the big difference with these shows is that they're short format. Um, and they're for kids. And when I had traditionally been working in adult animation and, um, it was a lot of fun working in adult animation, but I've, I've always wanted to work in kids media. So, uh, I did have to take a, a stand, you know, and animation work would come my way and I would be like, no, I, I really can't, you know, I need to, you know, move away from adults and move into kids. And I wanted to do writing so I could really refine my skills uh, with uh, sh show running and developing and, and all that. That was kind of like the last missing piece for me. It was like, if I want to sell a show and develop a show, I want it to be for kids. So I would really like to be writing in, in kids media. Um, so so for Toka, Toka Life Stories, uh, a producer over at Toka Boca reached out to me while I was at uh, Cartoon Network at the time, and I was working as a writer on this like uh, super micro short format um, division where we were like supporting all of the original content with like these micro shorts. Um, it, it got eaten up by the AT&T merger. So that's all gone. Um, but the this producer over at Tokoboka was like, hey, I saw you made a pilot and I see you're at Cartoon Network, you know, um, and he, he liked the, the Toasty Tales pilot. And he was like, ah, we really want to start a studio to make, you know, Tokoboka, this app into a kid's show. Uh, can you help us make an animation studio? And I was like, you're in Sweden. Uh, and also I'm about to get married in six months. So I don't think I can do that. That's a heavy lift right now for me. Um, but I would love to write for your series. Um, so my wife is also a writer. So I got her involved and we wrote like eight episodes for them. They took them and they made their own little animation studio and they animated two of them. And then I think it was about a year later, they came back and they showed us the episodes, which looked really awesome. And they're like, okay, now we want to do this 40 more times. And we're with this company called Spin Master. And they have, you know, they're going to use Spin Master's studio, which was Pipeline. Um, uh, so at that point, you know, uh, we were just rocking and rolling 40 episodes. I brought in two other writers. Um, and we had a lot of freedom on that show. Uh, it, it was really fun and they really encouraged us to um, like just get in that mindset of what it is to be a kid after school and in those hours before dinner time, you know, and it's like the afternoon is yours. What do you do with it? Uh, so it was really it was it was a lot of fun to get back in that mindset. Um, but it was it was an interesting process because, you know, the writers, we are in Los Angeles, uh, and then the creative, uh, Tokoboga, they're in Sweden, and then the animation studio, uh, they're up in Canada, and then there was, like, another division in Germany, so it was, like, you know, getting notes and uh, feedback really was, like, a whole process. Oh, my goodness. And international. Yeah. 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 But it, it was fun. And um, it really strengthened uh, my writing skills because when you're writing for short format, 
you really have to condense your idea down into what is the essence of this story. Yeah. You got to keep everything moving. Uh, you got, and you have to make it funny. You have to get to the point. Um, so really boiling everything down was a really fun challenge. Um, and it's proven to be a very popular series. So it's, it's been very satisfying. And then uh, Blippi was, you know, it's the same. It's a short format, but it's for uh, little kids. And uh, because it's for, you know, it's like a preschool bridge audience to preschool, preschool bridge somewhere in there. Um, you, you, we have an education consultant. It's also an educational show. So we have to make sure that uh, we're being sensitive to the way that we're teaching material and uh, stuff like that. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, but, but it wasn't really invasive, um, you know, uh, so we would just have this, uh, you know, consultant, you know, this curriculum child, you know, making sure everything's safe. They would come in at the, at the end and kind of read over the first draft of the script. And then usually nothing was flagged, you know, it was mostly like, let's make sure that the education, like, you know, the facts are right about this, um, but uh, there wasn't like a lot of, you know, it wasn't like a huge notes process of like, let's really drill down onto this, and, you know, find, uh, you know, the best way to, to tell this. Cause you know, we're trying to get, you know, that was like 52 episodes we were, we were working on and we had about, you know, a year to do it. So, you know, we're working economically and <laughs> again, trying to get to the essence of the story and, you know, um, so it was a lot, you know, and I'm managing, I'm managing a small team of, of writers, you know, I'm getting their scripts, reading them over, making sure that um, uh, like everything's making sense on my end and that, you know, characters are getting enough screen time and, uh, you know, everybody's included basically um, and uh, that it's a fun time. So uh, it was, it was a really fun show to be a part of. And I really liked the, um, educational aspect because i even learned a few things myself like uh you know how sunscreen works and that kind of thing yeah, you know? wow. yeah. <laughs> one, one of the things the quick aside that i liked about the the top the talk of life stories was that uh one of the dogs was a mini schnauzer yeah because uh, people that may, may have watched past episodes of this or other stuff that i've done may have seen mine uh constantly cameoing and we're jumping into those videos. So I appreciated the, the mini schnauzer representation. Nice. But, Gotta have that dog rep. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Such a great dog. So with all these different projects you've worked on, do you have a, do you have a favorite? I mean, maybe that's not a fair question, but is there is there maybe a, a favorite medium, you know, with all the different, you know, animation mediums that, you, that you're involved with? Anything yeah. That, you know... It's it's hard to pick. Well, I mean, my my favorite project was you know my pilot Toasty Tales. Uh, I got I gotta I gotta shout it out uh, to Toasty. Um, the, it was such a fulfilling process, you know, seeing mm -hmm. something that I had developed with a friend from concept to being released into the world was extremely satisfying. And being a part of every step of the process, you know, my handprints are all over that thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I want to do it again. You know, that that feeling is, you know, it's like 
that that dream of of selling a show and and hearing like oh it's a lot of hard work it's like it is but it's also very uh very fulfilling so if i could do it again i'd love to um and then as far as like favorite medium i feel like that changes from time to time yeah. uh you know there's something so satisfying about animating a character and, and watching it walk across the screen but in you know in the same way like when you're animating for a show it's you're animating within the parameters of uh what's appropriate for that character you know yeah. so it's not as you know it's not as freeing uh and then when you're writing as well you know you're a bigger part of the creative process but again you're missing that satisfactory feeling of you know the actual character like actually like really getting in and doing all those finessing movements and really having control of its uh performance so i i don't know i mean i also love i would say storyboarding but storyboarding is like crazy intense so it's it's exhausting and i have a shoulder injury so sometimes i can't really oh, do it. so yeah <laughs> Yeah, all those drawings all the time, right? That was, yeah, like leaning yeah. over a desk like this is like, oh, oh. yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so uh, our 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 third kind of coast that was going to join us, he gave us some questions to ask you. Uh, I, okay. I'll kind of put into like one question. Uh, so he had asked in two D animation, are you given any kind of like preliminary sketches to work off of? Or yes. So in terms of like being an animator, uh, so you are given, you're, you're working from storyboards. Um, so there is a very uh, clear path of action and uh, what the acting should be like. Um, but as an animator, you still get to make certain choices, you know, for like how long something, something is held or exactly how the expression is going to be presented. Um, but yeah, you are given some very uh, um, uh, strong guidelines of, of how you should be animating. <laughs> nice. uh, and then he asked, what was the, what has been the most absurd uh, thing that you've had to animate? Oh my God. <laughs> Mr. Poopy Butthole. <laughs> and, uh, oh no, wait, what was, what was that? Noob Noob. Was that Noob Noob? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Eric and Morty. Yeah, kind of like sideways. Yeah. Uh, he's he's uh, on... Uh, he's like mopping up shit, you know? Like literally mopping up. And I'm, and I'm there animating him mopping up shit. You know? And I'm like, this is like... This is too too meta. This is too much right now. Like I'm I'm cleaning up shit and this character is cleaning up shit. Like I, I am this this uh garbage crew character right here like this is this is too much for me right now <laughs> nice. but yeah i i feel like that was probably the most absurd thing i i had to animate <laughs> nice. uh, I'll, I'll ask a, a last few questions before i give it to stanford again really quick um and then so i guess from that like growing up uh, like, what were some of your, like, favorite, like, animated films and, and TV series or, like, characters, like, from those movies or TV shows? Yeah. Also, okay, so I already mentioned Sesame Street and uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yeah. And then for movies, Unico. Um, I was also a really big fan of, like, getting a little older. 
Um, so Muppet Babies was huge. Um, Rocco's Modern Life, you know, yeah. Like all of those like Nickelodeon shows I love was Kablam was fun. Like, oh, yeah. Variety, wow. yeah, variety kind of shows for kids is like, that was brilliant. Yeah, so <laughs> looking back on some of the stuff, I was like, wait, was this aimed at kids? Like, like, because <laughs> like, 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 the flesh, like on, on Kablam. Yeah. <laughs> like some of that. I don't know. But yeah. It's yeah, it, definitely pushing the envelope, and it's it's so funny to look back and be like, you can't do that today, you know, like. <laughs> but you know, maybe we will in in five or ten years. I feel like it's all like yeah. pendulum swing, uh, pendulum yeah, swinging. Is, is pendulum, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, have you like brought anything from like those like influences from uh, like your childhood and like stuff that you liked the most, like Pee Wee or or Unico or like Rocco, like into like yeah. any of the the projects that you've done since then, whether it's Blippy or Rick and Morty or or uh, with uh, Toasty Tales or anything like that. Yeah, so I think um, in terms of drawing, I think I have a very eclectic style, and you can kind of see the different influences. So even like with Disney, uh, there's this illustrator, storyboard artist named uh, Bill Pete. I feel like he played a big influence on um, my early ways of drawing. Uh, and then I feel like I'm always working towards that fun feeling that's happening in, in Pee Wee's Playhouse. Like that, that show was, it was not just a ton of fun. It was, it really resonated with me because like everybody was welcome at Pee Wee's Playhouse. You know, it was like so diverse you could be yourself, you know, it was really encouraged to, to just like not conform, you know, and, and be, be your own real individual. So I feel like I, I really take that, uh, you know, to heart and, and want to move it forward in, in all of my pieces. And, you know, while retaining that real kind of like wacky pushing the envelope uh, feeling so like there's always a sense of of sincerity um, in in the work that I do, uh, but uh, I, I want to have a good time doing it. You know. <laughs> nice. Yeah. How about you, So uh, I know you mentioned there's some stuff in your in your pipeline that you can't talk about, but are, are there some things that you can talk about with your next? projects or your upcoming yeah projects. yeah so so right now tiny lion has uh two things in production so we have uh tim town which is a short film uh based on my comic series so it's going to be the first uh excerpt from from that comic uh and that's kind of uh an exercise in uh just i don't know getting getting back into like me doing my own thing because i've done so many, uh, you know, the last 15 years of my life has been dedicated to, to doing work for others. So like, this is me kind of like taking control of my creativity again. Yeah. And then the other thing is uh, Golly's Lost and Found, which is a short format series uh, about these two cats named uh, Golly and Yipe. Well, actually, it's called Golly's Cat Crafts. It's based on Golly's Lost and Found, which is a show that I was pitching that may or may not happen, uh, but I was like, I don't want to wait, so I'm going to make my own short format show that's a little different, but you know, it's still about cats, 
and it um, inspires kids to to kind of get creative at home and uh, make make things you know nothing too difficult and it's all going to be you know geared towards cats so like making cat toys and uh, cat castles and and that kind of thing and uh, just a very short format fun show that can get kids engaged in their own creativity at home uh, using simple materials uh, so those are the two things uh, that we are working on right now. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and uh, it'll be coming out later later this year. Uh, it's also expensive. So <laughs> yeah. so we'll see, you know, how far I can get with Golly's Cat Crafts, but at least everything's, you know, rolling for now. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where where things are in a little bit. Maybe I'll have a Kickstarter or something to, to keep cool. it going. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we'll definitely share that if you do too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, so with all of your wonderful experience, do you have any advice for aspiring animators who are listening to us, listen to this conversation? Anything that you would want to, you know, wisdom that you'd want to share with people that are just, yeah, you know, figuring out what they want to do if they how, and how they want to contribute in, uh, with animation. Yeah, I, I say, uh, first, the state of the industry right now is not the state of the industry, how it's always going to be. Animation is always kind of up and down. So you just got to stick with it. You got to, you know, if you're really passionate about it, just just keep on doing it, you know. Uh, and I would say if you don't know which aspect you want to do yet, it's OK. You can play around like me. I love moving around to different roles, you know. Uh, doing animation, storyboarding, writing, like that's that's who I am. Uh, other people love to be in one role. They're like, I found this thing and I just want to master it. And I think those are both really valid ways to move through the industry. Uh, so it's like whatever works for you. And also, so when I went to CalArts, that was back, you know, I started in like 2003. YouTube was barely even a thing back then. Yeah. So I had to go to school. There wasn't all these resources. The most there was were books. You could buy a book and you could read that book. Uh, but there was like Flash, you know, macro, it was Macromedia Flash. Yeah. And yeah. It was, you know, just doing my best trying to animate way back then. It was, you know. So, so going to school was, was really, um, that was, I, I had to do it, you know. Um, you don't have to now. You can learn on YouTube. There's lots of schools online, like uh, Bobby Chu's Schoolism or Rad Seacrest's School. Uh, I, I need to remember what it's called. I, but anyways, there's resources online. You can learn. You can try different things. Uh, and you can go to school. Uh Every every path is valid. I know people that didn't go to school and they're doing really great in the industry. I went to school and I'm still paying off my student loans. Uh, I'm doing okay. Yeah, Whew, that's a big burden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, it's there's no right or wrong. It's what works for you. It's what you're passionate about. And you also don't have to work in the industry. You can be totally independent, do your own thing while you go work at Starbucks or whatever, you know, like that's also valid. And uh, I just want everybody to know that uh, 
your worth is not tied to the studio that you work for, you know? So I think a lot of young people get caught up in the fact that, oh, I want to work at Pixar. I want to work at Disney, one of these big names, you know, and you feel uh, a little down if, you know, you, you aren't working at them. You're seeing other people go there, but you're not. And it's not because it's a, you know, it's a lack of talent. It's, there's very few jobs that are available and, yeah. you know, there's a lot of different ways to get those jobs. Um, so don't be hard on yourself and remember it is about you and your creativity and you can do whatever you want. Also, can you stop reading my mind? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's also for me, it's good for me to remind myself because I, I really got down, you know, my, uh, my whole thing was like, I, I want to be, if I boil it down to what I really wanted to do when I was like getting into Cal Arts, I was like, I want to be a Disney animator, you know, okay. and that absolutely never happened. Uh, but it's fine because I I found my own path, and yeah. you know, I I I don't want to fit into that box. I want to make my own non-box shaped box. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah. So we definitely appreciate like like coming on tonight. I don't. I don't. Yeah, we don't want to like. Take your entire night up on you. Uh, where can people find you online? Uh, I know you yeah. have a website. Yeah, so my website is carolinefoleyanimation.com. There's a ton of stuff on there that you can check out. If you want to follow me on social media, I am on Twitter or X or whatever it is uh, for I don't know how long, uh, but I'm Tough Waffles, T U F F. W-A-F-F-L-E-S. And then on Instagram, tough underscore waffles. Um, and I just got on Blue Sky. So I'm also tough waffles there. Uh, and then if you want to follow along with my company, Tiny Lion, uh, there's going to be small updates here and there. But, you know, we're, we're still very small and growing slowly. Um, you can follow Tiny Lion uh, and Anim. Uh, on Twitter and Tiny Lion Animation on Instagram, and I'll probably have a blue sky for that soon as well, because uh, that seems like the place everybody's going. So <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. And yeah. So uh, with that, yeah, we we thank you again for for coming on. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you. So nice to meet you, and thanks for sharing uh, so much with us. It's really been great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's been wonderful. All right. So that was our interview with Caroline. Uh, we, again, thank her for coming on. Uh, so like where you can find her, you can also find us on all the, the different places online. Uh, so you can find myself and Stanford on Twitter or whatever letter of the alphabet it is. Uh, so I'm just at my first and last name there. And then Stanford is himself his first and last name there as well. Uh, and then you can find the show on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. So you can find us on Facebook at Animation Fascination and Twitter uh, Animated Podcast. Instagram is Animation Fascination. Uh, like like Carolina, I guess I'm also on Blue Sky now. Stanford will be there. I will be there shortly. I'm on Threads. But uh, although it seems like Threads is is dying, of I you know you just wonder how long Threads is gonna last. But Blue Sky seems like it's, it's yeah. The, it's the internet is still looking for the the heir apparent to 
to, to Twitter. To Twitter, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you can also feel free to email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our site at animationfascination.net. Uh, you can also get our merch at a link there too. And we also launched a Patreon this past week too. So you can find a link to the Patreon there. I'm going to also be in the video, or if you're listening to the audio of this, it's in the show notes there, but a bunch of different tiers with different perks, and if you want to get these episodes earlier, that's one of the perks there. There's a there's a secret, super secret Discord you can become a part of, where we post like all the news that we eventually talk about on the, the show there. Uh, Stanford will, will maybe show up. I'm always there to... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm, it just that, uses, I'm still. Uh, I feel like I'm still getting used to it. I got to do better. He's, he's, he's got to. He's got to join that tier so he can get. get That's right. Uh, yeah, and then there's yeah, there's there's cool bunch of different tiers that I named. I try to na- give them like cool names like related to different eras of animation. Uh, so it goes from like the silent era to all the way to the modern era. You, if you want to, if you want to see what all the other ones are, go go to the Patreon and look at that. Um, but yeah, so Trent Vactor edits our episodes, and then I'm Mark Bibbert. So for myself, Stanford Clark, and our guest Caroline Alfoli, thanks again for listening, and make sure to tune in again next time, everyone. Later. And Sylvie says goodbye. And Sylvie says bye. <laughs> bye, everyone.